You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Yolanda Lopez. Good morning. You know, watching this video and then looking at this place, it's a beautiful place, isn't it? It is amazing what they did with the work and everything. And that's due to everything you have done as well. It's good to be here with you this morning. And I, I just love this. The, the renovation that was done, however, one thing that has not changed is this. Is that the Spirit of God was present back there. The Spirit of God is still present today. And we're going to continue to ask God's blessing and Spirit to dwell. This is His house. You are His people. And He wants to do great and mighty things with you down here. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I just come before you in the precious name of Jesus. And Lord, I just ask that your Holy Spirit, Father, would just breathe on us. Just speak to us. Father, I know your presence is here, but I ask the the Spirit within us be stirred and that your Spirit just move among the roles, Father. And that your word give life to your people. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You know, it's really neat. I've been studying the book of Ephesians. And nice thing is a few, uh, I think it was last year, a group of us did a, an in-depth Bible study on the book of Ephesians, which is really interesting. But once we got through with Ephesians, then we walked into a study on spiritual warfare. And then from spiritual warfare, we walked into intercessory prayer. So it's neat that I'm able to be here to speak to you about chapter 6 in Ephesians, at least the last few verses. And since it's been the focal point, I know that when Paul wrote uh, the letter to the Ephesians, he was in prison. But the reality is he was still telling them and encouraging them and reminding them that God had given them the gift of salvation, which was a gift of grace. They didn't have to do anything to earn it. All they had to do was accept it. Just take that gift. And so he gave that to us. But then he went on and he reminded us of how we're to live our lives as Christians, as believers. And so he spends time in talking about the fact that we're no longer the old. We should be new. Uh, We've come out of the darkness into the light. And so he's saying, now that you're in the light, now you need to walk as children of the light, right? And so... That's what we wanted to do as believers. That's what we want to do. And even last week, Pastor Doug told you that the new you is powerful, not puny. The new you is powerful. The songs that were sung, you know, the power and the glory that God has, that is his, he bestows on us by making us powerful people. The thing is, we don't know how to live that life sometimes. And so he was talking about that. So he said, when you came out of the darkness, what you were doing is you were throwing off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corruptible by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. By how? By putting on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I don't feel so holy. You know, sometimes I I still struggle with things. So even though I know that I'm new, even though I know that God has given me the power that I need to live the life that he's called me to live, because he gave me the Holy Spirit, there are times 
that our old sinful nature gets in the way. So there are times that you might be struggling with thoughts that go against the biblical teachings. You might be struggling with overwhelming feelings of discouragement. I don't know if you ever get discouraged. I have. I've been discouraged before. Or you struggle in your relationships, your marriage, your relationships with your kids, but you're struggling in your relationships. You struggle with sleeping because of interruptions or nightmares. And you struggle with past temptations that thought you had overcome them already. And you struggle with worries, doubts, and fears every day. See, every believer will struggle at different times. And what we have a tendency to do is we blame our circumstances, our friends, and sometimes even God for our troubles. Yet I want you to see what Paul says in Ephesians 6, 12. So let's look at Ephesians 6, 12. It says there, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. He says, our struggle, our battle, our hand-to-hand combat is not with circumstances. It's not with people. It's not with an organization. It's not with flesh and blood, but it is a spiritual war, one that we don't see out here, one that we've got to understand is happening even though we don't see it. There is a battle raging out there. And the battle is normally for us, the enemy trying to get us in any way that he can. In fact, some of you may sit there and go, oh, shoot, you know, I don't even believe in the devil, right? Okay, so C.S. Lewis, a Christian writer and scholar, wrote this. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. The danger, the danger is over here. Satan doesn't exist. He's not real. The other area over here, I see a demon behind every bush. That's, those are the extremes, but there is a middle. And the middle is this is that there is a spiritual war going on. There was a spiritual war going in Paul's day. There's a spiritual war going on right now. That's what he says. In fact, we're going to look at it again. As a result of the spiritual war going on, Paul says, you know, you're a new creation. You are able to deal with this. But in order to deal with it, I'm going to tell you what. Now that you know these things, you got to learn how to pull on, put on the full armor of God. So he goes on to say in Ephesians 6, 10 through 11 this. Finally, after knowing this, after you have the knowledge of who you are, how you should be living, what he's called you to, he says, now, finally, be strong in the Lord and praise God. It doesn't have to be my strength. It's God's strength and in the power of his might, in God's power. And then he says, but put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against what? The schemes of the devil. I didn't say it. Paul said it in the word of God. He exists. He's real. And he is the God of this world. 
All right? And notice that in order to protect ourselves from the enemy, we have to do something. We can't be passive. We can't sit back and all these things are happening and say, oh, God, take care of it. God's giving us the thing to do. We have to do something, and that's to put on the full armor of God. We must protect ourselves from the enemy. We must do something. We must take action and stand. We're commanded to make a decisive act to stand our ground firmly against the schemes of the devil. This means you need to become aware of the devil's schemes. You need to understand what is an attack and what is life in general. You need to be able to discern those things and then put on the full armor of God. Now, the armor of God, you know, it's a metaphor to, to explain to us how we should dress, what we should put on as Christians. And Paul used the Roman soldier as an example because they understood how a Roman soldier would dress. Today, we could use an army guy. We could use somebody else. But the thing is, you put on your stuff to protect yourself. All right? So we're going to be talking about the different pieces of the armor for you to get a little bit of understanding. Now, what I do want you to know that this study in itself is a six-week study. So today, you're just going to get glimpses of what this says. So the first one, it says, put on the belt of truth. And the belt of truth kind of holds all this other stuff they're going to have together. And the belt of truth involves two places, our hearts and our minds. Satan's number one tactic is deception. He's the father of lies. He started in the Garden of Eden. He's a deceiver. He started in the Garden of Eden. And part of his strategy is to blind our minds so that we can't see God's truth. And he does this by feeding us lies about God and about ourselves and about the world around us. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says, the God of this age has blinded the mind, minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. See, when we know that that can be an attack, that we know that what he wants to get to in us, our response is to protect our mind from Satan's lies by knowing and believing God's word and what that God says is true, that we're accepted, we're deeply loved, we're bought with a price, we're part of God's family, and we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. You've got to know who you are. You got to know who God says you are. Putting on the belt of truth also means that we're honest with ourselves and with God. We're open to correction when the Spirit of God speaks. We don't hide or shift blame. We own our own stuff. We say, yeah, man, I was wrong. I did it. I blew it. I'm wrong. I don't blame somebody else for my choices. We assume that. And so you got to know what the Word of God says. Next, we need to put on the breastplate of righteousness because Satan's second tactic is condemnation. Satan condemns us by saying things like, you're a terrible person. God will never use you. If anyone knew what you did and found out who you really are and you call yourself a Christian, have you ever heard those words? Those words are there. And by putting on uh, the breastplate of righteousness, we can protect our heart against the enemy's condemnation. 
So I'll give you a, a little bit more here on the breastplate of righteousness. See, the thing is, we're already righteous before God because he made us righteous. He made us righteous, so that's the beauty of it. But we need to apply the truth of God's word by living it out. We got to put off the old nature, put on the new nature, even though, you know what? I think sometimes it's like a chipping away, right? Because I thought I'd put it all off here, but... Somewhere as I'm walking, a little smell comes along and it just reminds me of something back here. We need to keep throwing it off, throwing it off and walking forward. When we're living outside of God's will, guys, we open ourselves to demonic attacks. We open ourselves up. So if God shows us a specific area of our lives that we need to get right, then we need to do what he says. Because if not then you're over here and God's here and saying, this is where I need you to be. This is where you got to be. But I'm over here doing my thing and you're opening doors that are not meant to be open. The next piece of armor are the shoes. Shoes allow us to step freely and without fear while we turn our full attention to the battle at hand. They aid in our movement and defense like a good pair of baseball or soccer cleats. If you've ever played baseball or soccer, they have those cleats to help them stand firm or make the moves or do whatever they need to do. And they help us as Christians to stand firm, to take a grip where we're at. And then it also helps us move forward to propel, to share with others the gospel of peace because that's what he's about. Now, uh, just to give you a little example, which is kind of silly, but it still happened to me this morning. So this morning I'm getting dressed to come here, right? And so I take out of my closet these nice little shoes, heels, has a little heel, little straps and everything. And I put those shoes on. And I thought, oh, this, this is gonna, these shoes will look great with these pants. And so I'm walking around the house with those shoes and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I'm gonna be teaching four services. So I took off those shoes and I put something on a tad more practical for me. It allows me to be able to move a little more, right? And not worry about tipping over at that point. The shoes are important, but it's the gospel of peace that we share with others. It's what we give forth about Christ. We got to be ready in war to move. We got to be ready and be prepared. Our fourth piece of armor is the shield of faith. And I love this one. So the shield of faith. The shield of faith is our absolute confidence in God, his promises, his power, and his program for our life. I don't know about you, but I, I know that God is real. I've seen him. I don't know about you, but I know what his promises are. It's in the word. And I trust God for my future. And he's been good about it as well. It is rooted in the reality of our new standing in God. So we, when we come to know the Lord and we begin to understand the new life that we have, it's like putting on a different set of glasses. Over here, you had on one set, and this is how you saw the world. And then you came over here after you took off your stuff, the old stuff, you put your new one, you got a new pair of glasses, and you go, oh my gosh, I can see clearly now. Now I see things that I've never seen before. And that's the beauty of this 
piece of armor, the shield of faith, you begin to understand what God wants for you. So in doing it, when something comes up, whether it's deception or an attack or when you just get scared to death, the shield of faith is claiming God's promises, trusting God's character and applying God's truth and holding it up to deflect the lies and the darts, whether they be fear, accusation, condemnation, or whatever. There was a, a young lady that I met not too long ago and she, uh, we were doing ministry and she had shared that she couldn't sleep at night. And I said, why can't you sleep at night? She said, I'm having these dreams. And so what kind of dreams? So she was dreaming and the things that she was dreaming were not good, you know. So I'm there and she said, and I'm scared to death. I said, why are you scared? Well, because of the dreams. I said, oh, do you know Jesus Christ as your savior? She said, yes. And I said, man, you don't have to be afraid of those things. You don't have to be afraid of those dreams. You just got to remember who you are. You got to take that and put up the shield of faith and begin to realize who you are in them because you don't have to be afraid. And that's the beauty is when you learn how to use the armor, you can do that. Another piece of armor, the helmet of salvation. Satan's target in your mind, man, because this is where it all starts. This is where it all starts. I begin thinking and I dwell on it and I focus on it and pretty soon it drops down here and from here then I act it out. This is where it's got to stop. And the helmet of salvation, Satan's weapons are lies. They're lies. And the enemy wants to make us doubt God and our salvation. He wants us. I don't know about you, but I've doubted God in the past. I really have thought, God, do you really exist? Am I playing a game? Is this real or isn't it real? Well, apparently I think so because I'm still here. But at that time, those doubts would come up. Or is this really happening? And so looking at those pieces, the helmet of salvation protects you from those kinds of things. See, we believe so many lies about ourselves. We believe we're hopeless, that we can never change, that things will never change, that nothing we do matters that we don't deserve love or goodness or justice or dignity or a million other things. We don't deserve it. And so we say these things to ourselves and we get trapped by the lies we tell ourselves and by the lies others have told us. And we're in this trap. Putting on the helmet of salvation protects our mind, our way of thinking, and allows us to remember what God says about us. So I had this happen to me, right? Uh, one day I'm in the kitchen or walking through the living room and all of a sudden this voice comes. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? I know who you are. I know what you've done. Who do you think you are? I've seen the things you've done. And all of a sudden, I realized this voice of condemnation, of attack. And what I did is I turned around and I didn't see anything, but I turned around anyway. And I said, in the name of Jesus, leave me alone. God has forgiven me for all that. That is my past. That's not who I am anymore. God has forgiven me. If you have a problem with it, you take it up with him. I'm forgiven. I am forgiven. Think about that. 
the lies that we believe about the things we've done over here that the enemy reminds us of. Did we do them? Yes, I did them. Yes, I was guilty. But God paid the price for that so that I don't have to carry that guilt. I don't have to receive the voice of condemnation. And when I did that, guys, I never heard the voice again to condemn me in that way. Take it up with him. He forgave me. And I received that forgiveness. So the thing there is, again, putting on the helmet of salvation. Cover your minds. The last piece of armor here is the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is the only weapon that can be used offensively as well. And it's the Word of God. Strongholds, arguments, and thoughts are all weapons the enemy uses against us. But with the sword of, of, uh, the, sword of the Spirit, we can counter those things. Kind of like I did over here, right? Uh, the accusations, the, the stuff. And I'm going, whoa, I know what the Word of God says. It says he forgave me for that. It says he doesn't remember that anymore. It says that I am a new person. So by knowing the Word of God, I can combat the lies and stuff like that. The sword of the Spirit is powerful. But if you don't read your Bible, if you're not in the Word, how do you know how to fight? How do you know how to do war with the enemy? to defend yourself, to defend your family. How do you do it? I've got to have the word of God that says, God, you said, God, you said, and he stands by his word. The purpose of the sword of the spirit is to make us strong and able to withstand the evil onslaughts of our enemy. And the Holy Spirit uses the word to save souls, but also to give us spiritual strength to endure in the spiritual warfare times. Six pieces of armor, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield, and the helmet. We got to put all these on. What I loved about doing this study is that the underlying thing for all of them is knowing the word of God. Knowing the word of God. Recently, I talked to somebody and I said, tell me about the word of God. What do you know about the word of God? And so the person said, I read it. Okay, that's good. You read it. Reading the word of God is good. And that's where we have to start. And I said, but do you study the word of God? She says, well, no. But you want to be a pastor? Yes. Well, then I recommend studying the word of God. She said, but I read it and I understand it. But there is a difference. There's a difference between reading and actually getting in there and digging deep into the word to look at everything. So become people of the word. Become people who are knowledgeable so that when you got all that on, you know how to fight back. And so when Paul talked about these six pieces of armor, then he says one other thing to them. He says, now that you put on the full armor in place, now you can enter battle. Now you can enter. But you enter battle through prayer. Prayer. It's almost like you get suited up. You get all decked out, right? The way Pastor, uh, Pastor Doug told you last time. You get all dressed up. You put your armor on. Then he says, now through prayer, you go to battle. So it's almost like, okay, I'm all armored up. And then prayer allows that spirit to just come upon me. And now I'm ready, boy. Don't mess with me. 
don't mess with me because I know who I am. I know the word. I know the tactics of the enemy. There's nobody who would go to war without trying to figure out what the enemy's going to do. No one. And so doing that. So prayer is essential. In Ephesians 6.18, Paul says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Chip Ingram, pastor and author, writes, the missing ingredient in most Christians' lives and in most churches is the commitment to regularly pray and to do prayers of intercession. Scripture indicates that individual and corporate consistent, intense, and strategic intercessory prayer will in fact deliver us from the evil one. Woo, powerful. I think it's almost like you're in the full armor and then he gives you some grenades. That's prayer. Bang, you know, and throw another prayer and bang, you know, prepare to walk in and already be victorious in what's happening. Consistent, intense, and strategic. So guys, here's the thing. You've been transformed from darkness to light. And with this supernatural new life that you have with God the Father, you're to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. However, don't forget this. This new life will be lived out in a hostile environment because we live in a fallen world. The brand new you, you're new, but you still have flesh. And the flesh wages against the spirit. And in order to be victorious, we must be prepared to do battle by putting on the full armor of God. That's what you're going to have to learn to do. Put on those pieces. Get in community. Get in studies. Learn what that's all about. I don't know how many of you are here today that are searching for meaning for your life. But you're here and that's a good start. See, God sent his only son that we might have life. So if you'll bow your heads right now, I'm going to ask those of you who don't know Christ as personal Savior to pray this prayer. It's his gift to you. You may repeat after me or just say it silently within your heart because God hears. So I'm going to pray this prayer. Father, I know that I have broken your laws and my sins have separated me from you. I am truly sorry. And now I want to turn away from my past sinful life toward you. Please forgive me and help me avoid sinning again. I believe that your son Jesus Christ died for my sins, was resurrected from the dead, is alive, and hears my prayer. I invite you, Jesus, to become the Lord of my life, to rule and reign in my heart from this day forward. Please send your Holy Spirit to help me obey you and to do your will for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, for those of you that are believers, I have a prayer for you too. Don't want you to go without praying again, right? So I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Father God, today I choose to clothe myself in you, to buckle your truth like a belt around my waist. To know I have your righteousness as a breastplate to protect me from harm. 
to walk with peace into all the places my feet tread, to hold tight to my shield of faith, defeating each arrow of accusation, to wear salvation like a helmet around my thoughts, and to grasp hold of your words at work in me, and to use them like a sword to cut through darkness and confusion. Today, I choose to clothe myself in you. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.